Good morning, everyone. It is very lovely to see you this morning. I'm going to dive straight in. Um, we're, we're in. We're in a series which we've entitled Advance, and primarily because that's something we feel and sense the Lord saying to us as a church. And I shared more about that um, on Vision Sunday, which was about three weeks ago. And one of the things that I mentioned on Vision Sunday is as we advance as a community of faith, there will always be challenges that we have to overcome. And I shared a little bit about that, things where we need the Lord to break through. So for example, in our church community right now, one of the things that we need is a kids pastor to work alongside Dave, because we know that that is going to unlock a whole load of other things. So I felt a nudge last week, the Lord spoke to me, and I felt him say that we need to pray some more and we need to fast for the breakthrough and the advance that we believe the Lord has for us. So this Thursday coming, 6th of October, I want to invite you to be a part of a day of prayer and fasting in this church. Prayer is prayer, right? We talk to the Lord and we listen. Fasting is about something where we give up something in order to press into more of the Lord. And the other thing that it does is it tells our bodies that they are not in charge. And that is a really helpful discipline. So it might be for some of us it is fasting for food for the day. If you've got a medical condition or you're pregnant, please check that out first. But for some of us, that will be the response. For others, it might be something even more difficult like Fasting from the TV, or Facebook, Instagram, something like that. Something we intentionally set aside in order to be with the Lord. So there are a couple of times during the day when I want to invite us to gather so that we can pray together. One is at the start of the day, 7.30 in the morning. We're going to be on Zoom. We'll send out details in the next day or two, but to jump on a call so we can start the day in prayer. And then our Kingdom Come prayer gatherings at the end of the day, 7.30 p.m. in Feltham, here at the Feltham site, and also at Staines in the Memorial Gardens in Staines. Okay? Does that make sense? (laughs) For a moment there, I thought I had to start my talk all over again. I'd love you to be part of a day of prayer and fasting this coming Thursday so that we can press in to what the Lord is doing. Okay, this is the main thing I want to share this morning. Could you just raise a hand if you've got some pain in your body right now? Or you've got a condition that you know there's just something wrong in your body or in your mind, your heart, something right now. Or you know somebody that you love has got some pain in their body. Okay. My guess is we would all love that to be different. We would love that to be different. Over the years, I have prayed for a lot of people for healing. And sometimes it seems like nothing happens. And other times... So I remember just a while back, I was stood just about here at the end of one of our worship times... Um, we just had this sense that the Lord was especially present to heal the sick. So we just said, hey, anybody here that needs healing? And the guy next to me indicated, so I, I chatted to him. He could not move his left wrist. He'd had an accident. He'd had surgery. I think there were some kind of pins in his wrist. We prayed for about 20 to 30 seconds, and then this happened. 
full mobility back in his wrist. And I love that. I love that. Healing miracles are very common in the Bible. If you look at the Gospels, around about 40% of the recorded miracles of Jesus were acts of physical healing. There was one time where the disciples of John the Baptist came up to Jesus and they said to him, look, are you the one or should we expect somebody else? Are you, are you the king or, or should we carry on waiting? And Jesus' reply, he says this, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. In other words, healing is one of those primary indications that Jesus is king. And then Jesus told his disciples to continue what he had started. So if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe that healing is intended to be a normal part of our Christian lives. If you're here today and you say, well, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus yet, firstly, delighted that you're here, delighted that you've, spent, you've decided to take this time to be with us. Um, I hope that's where you thought you were rather than the cinema. Um, this is a church. And um, I hope that what I share is helpful to you as well, because what we're thinking about today as part of our advanced series is advancing as a healing church. We're looking through the book of Acts. If you've got a Bible, could you turn to Acts chapter 3? We're going to see the story today of Peter and John, two of the disciples, being used to heal a man who had been lame from birth. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share some thoughts as we look through the story. I'm going to share some practical things about healing, and then we are going to pray. Okay? That's where we're tracking. So, Acts chapter 3, I'm going to read the first verse. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Just pause there. Note, they were going to the temple. They were not at the temple yet. This happened as they were part of their everyday lives. John Wimber, who was the founding pastor of the Vineyard Family of Churches, used to say this. The meeting place, in other words, our Sundays and our small groups, are the training place for the marketplace. In other words, our schools, our colleges, our workplaces, our communities, here trains us for there. And so we learn that we go from here and we understand that this is for everyone, every day, everywhere. Just as we're going about our lives. If we've said yes to Jesus Christ, we have received the gift of his Holy Spirit. And we need to keep asking for more, but we have received the gift of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift that we need. Because he releases all of the other gifts. And one of the things that that means is that every follower of Jesus, I believe, can be used to heal. Indeed, that's what Jesus asks us to do. Wherever we are, whatever the day of the week, whether we're in a church setting or down the supermarket, he can release a gift of healing. Let's read on verse 2 of Acts chapter 3. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. 
Again, we're going to pause. There, there was almost certainly a crowd of sick people outside the temple gate. And so a question we need to ask is, why this guy? Why, why, did they, why did they minister to this guy? Well, as I think about that, I find an account in John chapter 5 incredibly helpful. Jesus has been in another, a very similar situation. He was in a context where there were a lot of sick people, and he healed one guy. And after that, he's talking to his disciples, just explaining what happens. He says that his father is always at work. And then John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. See, it seems to me if that's the way that Jesus lived, that's good for me too. And I'd suggest that's good for you as well. That we live a life where a great way to live life is to be present with people and at the same time to be present to the Lord. So as we engage with people, whether they are unwell or well, we're present to them, we're listening to them. There may even be moments where we put our phone down. We're present with people, and at the same time, we ask the Lord, Lord, I know that you are always at work, and so I believe that you're at work in this person's life. Lord, is there something that you are doing that you want to be a part of? And if there is, would you let me know? That is a really smart way to walk into any environment, your supermarket, your workplace. Lord, I know you're at work. Would you show me what you're doing? Let's read on from verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. That's good, right? That's really good. When we pray for healing, when I start praying for healing, I'm very quickly aware that I can't heal anybody. And I hope that realization has come across your life as well. So what do we have that we can give to people? You know, when a pastor asks the question, 95% of the time, the answer is, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. He gives him Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You see, it seems to me, whether somebody is healed or not, we can give them Jesus. We can help them to experience more of the love of God. Now, there are two things that jump out to me in the way that Peter prayed. Authority and activation. Let me just briefly unpack those. First, authority. Peter's prayer is pretty short. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Who do you think he'd got that kind of prayer from? You're catching on. <laughs> Jesus' prayers in the Gospels for healing are very, very short. So Peter, I think, had caught this, and he understood that followers of Jesus can heal the sick because we have been given delegated authority. Remember, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. So we've been given delegated authority, and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
So there's an authority that we see here. And secondly, there's a moment of activation. Peter prays and speaks out, walk. But the guy is still on the floor. So what you see in verse 7 is as he is helped up to his feet, his feet and ankles are made strong and healed. There are lots of, in the Gospels, you'll, you'll read this, there's an occasion where Jesus met a guy that was blind. And he did that thing where he made some spit on the ground and mud and put it on the guy's eyes and then said, go and wash. So when did the healing take place? When he went and washed. There was an activation. You see, if he hadn't have responded to the words of Jesus, I think he'd have just had this face pack on. There's an activation event. When I first started praying for people for healing, I would often try and avoid and ask if anything had happened. Anyone else done that? You get to that point, you've prayed for a bad back, and then you're kind of thinking, I really don't. And it's like hiding behind the sofa when the Daleks come on. I'm thinking, I really don't want to know. What I have increasingly found is that by asking, there can be an activation. And by asking someone to try something out, so if I'm praying for a bad knee, I'll say, is there something you can do that will tell you if God has released some healing to you today? Because there is an activation as we take a step. Last bit of the story from verse 8. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Fourth thing, thanksgiving and praise. Whenever we, that, that's the right response, isn't it, friends? Whenever we see the Lord do something, there should be a, wow, thank you, Lord. It is... As you read this story, it is quite likely that this lame man may not have been allowed into the temple courts due to his condition. He may have been prohibited from going in there, but now things have changed. He's now connected with a community of faith, and he is connected in worship with God. That is a beautiful point of this story. Let me share you another story. Again, a few years ago, I was, I was stood over here. This was during a ministry time uh, after one of our Sunday services. And I heard people saying, a guy over there has just been healed. And they were pointing to this guy. And I knew him. And I knew that he was a Muslim. He, he hadn't come to faith in Jesus yet. So I went up to him and I said, hey, I'm hearing that you've been healed. What happened? And so he said, I had all of this pain in my back, and, in, and I think it was his left arm. And he said, as these guys prayed for me, it just all went. And I said, wow, that is amazing. And then I got a bit cheeky with him. I said, can I ask you what you think that means? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. So then I said to him, would it be okay if I told you, or if I shared with you, what I think it means to you? And he said, yeah, okay. And I said, what I think this means to you is that Jesus is getting your attention. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Jesus is saying hello to you today. The question is, is are you going to say hello back? 
is that something that you would like to do? Is that, would you like to open your heart to Jesus? And he says, yes. Now, by this moment, his wife, who stood beside him, who is a Christian, has been praying for him for years. She is just dissolved in tears on the floor because Jesus has just broken into the life of her husband. You see, my point is this. I love it when people are healed, but it is not the end of the story. It's Jesus. It's all about him. Healing so often is a signpost. It's always a signpost to him. Okay, let's get practical. I'm going to share a simple model with us this morning that helps us to grow in this area of healing. I know for some of you here, maybe for many of you here, this is a reminder. For others, it will be something new. For all of us this morning, I'm praying that this is a catalytic moment for us all to press in to more of healing and seeing God's kingdom advance, both in our gathered settings, but I think even more in our workplaces, in our communities, in our schools and colleges. So can I just, I'm going to pray for us because I just have this sense of the Lord catalyzing something in us today. So if you want to pray for yourself, when I'm praying for myself, I'll put a hand on my heart. You're welcome to do what you want. But Lord, I pray that as in this, in this moment, as we share together, Lord, I pray that you would catalyze something in our hearts. Recatalyze us again. Refocus us. Re-envision us with the person and the life of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we've put these postcards out on the seats this morning. Please do grab one. If you haven't got one of these somewhere at home, take this with you. Put it in your Bible, put it in your wallet, your handbag, whatever you've got. Um, but I hope this is helpful. Um, it's a model that we use and we've, we've used around the vineyard for decades, decades and decades. Very simple model, ask, pray, ask. And I'm just going to unpack that. It is a model, it is not a formula. It helps us to track through an interaction with somebody. It is not a guarantee of success. So by that I mean, if you do this, this, and this, da-da! No, it doesn't work that way. It is simply a model. It is based on examples of healing that we find in the Bible, like the one that we've looked at in Acts chapter 3. So the first step, we asked. Remember, Peter and John, they were present with this guy. We're present with the person in front of us, and we're asking the question, what do you need? What do you need? Often in a church setting, but also out on the high street, I'll say to people, imagine that Jesus is stood in front of you right now, because he is, and he's asking you, what is it you want me to do for you? What, what's your response to that? What do you need from Jesus? So we're present with the person, we're asking the person, but at the same time, we're present to the Lord. We're asking the Holy Spirit, what, what is going on here? What, what revelation, what insight can you give me? Remember John chapter 5, 19. We can only do what we see the Father doing. So it's that prayer, Lord, would you show me what you're doing in this setting? What is the Lord doing? Why is the person unwell? We're looking to the Lord for insight. Second step is we pray. We pray. Here are some things over the years that I have found really, really helpful. The first thing is to keep our eyes open. Often I'll invite the person I'm praying for to close their eyes, but 
for as we pray to keep our eyes open. And I appreciate for many of us, this is a point where we just need to retrain from a life of praying. Because when I grew up going to school, it was hands together, eyes closed. When we're praying for healing, it's hands on, eyes open. Why do I say that? Well, one, it's the way that Jesus prayed. You'll see that through the Gospels. You'll see it in Peter, in Peter and John here. Verse 4, they looked at the guy and say, look at me. They're having this engagement with him. Why we do it is because we can learn to see what the Holy Spirit is doing through our natural sight. We can see his presence on people. We can often see like people sh- shaking or fluttering or eyelids going. Those are just some of the physical manifestations of the presence of the Spirit. I've been in one setting where I've seen somebody's leg grow. If I'd have had my eyes shut, I'd have missed that. Talk about gutting. Keep our eyes open. Secondly, lay hands on appropriately and with permission. So when I pray for somebody, I'll say to them, look, is it all right if I lay my hand on you or is that going to make the pain even worse? Because generally when I'm praying, I don't want the pain to get worse. So we ask permission to lay on hands. Thirdly, I will pray, come Holy Spirit. It's this realization and recognition that we're completely dependent upon the Lord. And then I will do what I see Peter and John do in this account. I will speak to the condition in the authority that I understand that I've been given from Jesus Christ. So, walk. That was their prayer. Telling the body what we want it to do in Jesus' name. So I will often pray prayers like, pain, go. Muscles, be strengthened. Vertebrae, be aligned. I will speak to the part of the body. If someone's got a, you know, a hearing, ears, open, that we speak in the authority that we've been given by Jesus Christ. So we've asked, we've prayed, and then we ask again. This is that sort of that activation thing that I was talking about. So I will often ask people, how would you know if there has been some healing released to you right now? How would you know that? And sometimes someone's got a condition where you just don't know, right? So there, there are some conditions where it's kind of like you, you're just going to have to sort of work that out over the next few days and weeks, or you're going to have to get a scan, go to the doctor or something like that. So some like internal conditions. But if it's like I've been praying for somebody, as I say, with a, with a bad knee or something like that, I will say to the person, is there something that you could carefully do that would let you know whether the Lord has done something in your life just now? And then I will say to them, so... If we call the pain that you had when, you, when, we, when we first started chatting, if we call that 10 and we call it zero, if it has all gone, and then I'll say to the person, it's really important that you're honest and not nice. I'm not going to take this personally, so be really honest. 10 is when we first started interacting. Zero is gone. Where are things now? And most often, I will find that there has been a shift. Very often people say, oh, it's like a six or a seven. And I will say, wow, isn't that, isn't that stunning? Isn't that stunning that the Lord would start a process of healing? And I will say, do you think we could pray some more? And most often the person says, yeah. And I'll come on to why that is in a moment. And then it comes to a point where you're done, they're done, and all the Holy Spirit is done. At that point, say, we're done. 
go and have a cup of coffee. Go and do something, okay? Ask, pray, ask. Really simple model that has really helped us to grow in this area of ministry. Last couple of thoughts that I want to share. A couple of things that we value uh, in all of this. The first is that we are motivated by love. We're motivated by love. In all of our interactions, our heart posture towards the person who is unwell is always full of love and compassion and kindness. Let me give you a couple of examples. It's really important. So say you have one of those interactions and nothing happens. We don't blame a lack of faith. It seems to me that in the Bible, faith has to be present somewhere, but sometimes it was present in the sick person, and sometimes it was present in their friends, and sometimes it was present in the person that was praying. It's not the person's fault. So we never say, oh, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Please don't do that, mainly because it's not true. And the second thing I would say is that the reason why people are sick is complex and varied. And so sometimes I hear people saying, well, it, it, it must be because you've been doing something wrong. And I, well, I say, well, maybe, but maybe not. Again, there's another occasion in the Bible where somebody, some people brought this guy to Jesus, and they said to him, so was it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither. So again, we've just got to be very careful and thoughtful and kind and be motivated by love. That's the key thing here, motivated by love. Whatever happens in that moment of ministry interaction, we reflect the love of Jesus to the person. And more than anything, I want the person to go away knowing that Jesus loves them deeply. That, that's a good thing. Okay. Second thing is let's keep having a try. Let's keep having a try. I believe that Jesus loves to heal people and he loves to use people like you and I. And maybe you're here today, and you said, well, I've never prayed for a person that's sick. I would love you to have a try. Maybe you're somebody that used to pray for people, but you've sort of got out the habit or given up. I want to encourage you, like, get back on the horse again. Have a try. And maybe you're here today, and you will pray for anything that moves, whether they ask for it or not. Keep going. Keep having a try. You see, the best posture is to be someone who keeps trying. And if this is new for you, what I'm going to encourage you to do is rather than just pray for one person, would you maybe commit here to pray for 50 people, one a week for the next year? Because I know that if you do that and we have a conversation in a year's time, you will have seen some healing. I'm pretty confident that you will have seen that. So keep having a try. The reason this is important is this. What, what, we'll, what I found to be true is the more we see, the more we expect, and the more we expect, the more we see. There is a virtuous cycle in this area of ministry. See, the more people I've prayed for, the more healing I've seen, so I do it more. Does that make sense? That's why it's so important that we keep having a try. See, over the years, my expectation has grown and grown. And expectation is one of those things that unlocks the power and presence of the kingdom. Amen? Amen.